Have you ever done something and later realized you shouldn't have done it? So in an effort to justify yourself and hopefully save face, you say, sorry, that's not like me. A lot of times we can excuse our actions and see ourselves in a much better light than we actually are. That's why sometimes we have to just be honest with ourselves and say, no, that is you. Today, Staff Pastor Mike Menace will talk about patience in our message series called, No, That Is You. You know, uh, I am excited to be here, and I'm also excited my wife, Angela, is with me. Can we give it up for Angela? Come on. My wife, my wife is smarter than me. She's more spiritual than me. She's more organized than me. She does more than me. I've always called her my second Holy Spirit. I listen to what she says, always. In, in, you know, it, maybe on the outside it doesn't show, because, you know, I'm like, what? But on the inside, it's like, amen, amen, right? You know, she says... She is, she, is the, she is why that I am successful, and I know that, I recognize that, and so very honored to be here today, honored to be a part of the big team. Pastor Van is in the Wiggins campus today speaking, and uh, the message that he preached here, he's preaching up there, those guys are catching up with you, and uh, then Pastor Casey is actually over at our Long Beach campus speaking today, and so uh, it's just exciting to be a part of the bigger team. We are in this neat series now, I hope you're enjoying it, uh, called Know That Is You. You know, if you're like me, there's things in life, you know, that, that um, well, maybe I'm not the best at. There's things in life where I have some issues. You know, how many of you got issues? Come on, you know what I'm saying? And so, uh, and when we have issues, when they, when, they, when they show, right? You know, oops, when our issues show, we don't always like to embrace the fact that we have issues. You know, we kind of like try to tuck it away, button it up, and say, no, that's not me. But today... No, that is you, bro. You know what I'm saying? It is you. And, you know, one, one of the things, one of my issues I think I've had since I was young was that I, I like to drive fast. Um, when I was a kid, man, growing up, I bought my first truck, 14 years old. It was a 1974 Chevy, light blue, three-speed on the column. I had never driven a stick before. My dad dropped me off and said, see you at home. 14, mind you. I didn't have a license yet. Go dad, right? <clears throat> and uh, I did. I drove it home. All the way home, you know. It was like, oh, stop sign. I'm rolling through. I'm not, I'm not stopping. <laughs> and I learned to drive the stick shift by experience. And uh, from, from then, I mean, I drove fast. I wrecked that truck and totaled it out uh, before my 15th birthday, mind you. Uh, go dad again, right? <laughs> Uh, because I was driving too fast on the gravel road and then I bought my second truck a few years later and I, you know, I, I blew up the motor basically racing my buddies, you know, going fast, right? But, you know, one of the things that I ha I'm 49 years old now and I'm finding that I don't always drive as fast as I used to drive fast. Mind you, I still like to drive fast, but maybe it's age, maybe it's maturity, I'm not sure, but... I've slowed down some. As a matter of fact, I've slowed down quite a bit, uh, you know, and I make this trip every week. I drive down to Gulfport and meet with the staff and drive back to Wiggins and that little trip there, you know, and early on, 10 years ago when we first started all this, uh, I, I had to be careful, set cruise control because there's a lot of state troopers there, you know, state troopers in the house, go state troopers. Um, but now I'm, I'm 10 years, 11 years into this thing, making this trip, and I've, I've, now, you know what I do? I'm driving a lot slower, sometimes below the speed limit. And maybe this is good, maybe it's not, but I, I'm finally, I don't mind that, you know? I'm like, I'm driving slower, and cars are passing me, and I'm like, I don't care anymore. 
I'm just driving, you know, and I'm, I'm being more patient. I'm being more patient with the drivers around me. And now, now mind you, every now and then I'll, I'll get on the gas, you know, and I, I, like, I like to hear the motor roar, and I, but, but I'm driving slower. You know what I really am enjoying now is, you know, when those young guys drive up behind me and they're going fast, I like to slow down and make them mad. <laughs> Especially, yeah, especially in traffic, right? It's like, and, and you're looking in your mirror at him, and he's, 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 he's shouting your praises, you know? You're, you're, you're his friend, right? You, oh, I love you. No, he's, and then, and, and I just slow down a little bit, and he gets on my bumper, and then all of a sudden, when the break in the traffic, you know, he rips around you, and he waves at you as he goes by. I'm just laughing like I used to be me, but I don't care anymore. I'm slowed down. And I, and I do attribute it, I guess, a little bit to maturity, but I also attribute it somewhat to, I think I'm more patient now than I used to be. I'm less frustrated than I used to be in life. I'm more patient now. And today, uh, as we talk about the issues that we have, I think that, that God's going to help us to see that some of the frustrations in our life, he's, he's identified in us and he's working on, and he's bringing about a patience that is going to help us to mature in life. And when we speak of patience, patience is not in our nature, Right? You're not born with patience. Some of you got young kids, you know, you're not born with patience. You have to talk to your kids and teach them to be patient, baby. Be sweetie, sweetie, sweetie. Stop it. Don't hit your brother. No, you know, we teach them patience. They're very frustrated as young children. Not only is patience contrary to our very nature, but patience is also contrary to our culture, right? You look at how life is around us anyway, maybe not globally, but here, you know, everything is fast. We want it fast. I want it my way and I want it now, right? And we want that on our, man, did, I got frustrated a while ago in worship, you know, maybe I'm not so mature, maybe not. I, I was there and I'm like, I was trying to check in at Northwood Church on Facebook, right? Because that's what a good little pastor does. And I'm like, I hope you did too. Y'all should check in. Do that now. Why are you listening to me in my monologue here? I was checking in and the internet was slow. Uh, uh, come on, man. Worship's almost over. I got to go on the stage. Come on. I and it's just that little blue line. I'm like frustrated. But it's, it's the way we are wired in our culture just, just accentuates that and just makes it like ridiculous that we're so frustrated in life. We want it our way. We want it now. And I believe this. I believe this. Most of us in this room, most of us in life live in a state of frustration to some degree because we're not getting it our way and we're not getting it. Come on, say it now. Y'all didn't say it. Now, I want it now. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, I want it now. <laughs> frustrated. You're frustrated too, I can tell. You're tight, you're tight. Oh, loosen up, man. Today we're going to look at some of those frustrations. Here's the deal. We're living in frustration and it's not just an appendage to our life. Okay, I've got this frustration. It, it, it's more. It, it, it affects our lives. It affects the way we in, integrate in life. It affects the way we interact with people in life. Number one, frustration affects your view of yourself. I am more frustrated with me than anything else in life. Now, and I believe if, as I talk, you're going to see this probably your story too. I'm, I'm more frustrated with me. I'm a little more disappointed with me than anybody else. I'm disappointed. I, I, I have this deal. I want to I I please people. I want people to be happy with me. And sometimes I fail in that. Sometimes I, I just fall short, man. I just don't do what I know I need to do. I don't do what I know I'm supposed to do. And I fall short and I'm frustrated with me. Matter of fact, I get frustrated with me if I don't look as good as I want to look. Come on, somebody, y'all aren't being honest either. I, I'm being honest. I mean, when I look in the mirror in the morning, if my hair's not right, I mess it up and start over. I, I'm that way. You didn't know that. I, that's me. 
you're the same way. Hey, look at you laughing. I'm frustrated with me. Yo, I like to get new clothes because I want to look sharp. How do you think of my new clothes? My wife gave me this for Christmas. Look, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm not frustrated in my clothes today. But some days I am. You know, you put on them clothes, you know, ladies, you know, and you'll be like, no, I'm taking that off. You know, I'm putting on that 10th blouse, right? You know, the, these, are these pants too tight? I'm going to put on some more. Wait, they look fine. No, I'm going to put on some more. You know, we're frustrated with ourselves. We join the gym at the first of the year because we're frustrated with our profile. You know what I'm saying? And and we go, we work out, we eat less until we hate ourselves because food is our uh, favorite friend. And, And we're frustrated, man. We're frustrated with ourselves. We're frustrated when we compare ourselves. Pastor Steven, I love you, bro. When I grow up, I want to be just like you. But see, if I'm not careful, I look at, you know, I look at you, you're young, your hair's perfect, your clothes, your, your clothes are always tight, man, you got the, I did get these glasses to be like you, and, but if I'm not careful, I'm going to be very disappointed, because I can't be you, I'm just me, and I'm frustrated with that, why can't I be you, comparison does that in our life. You know, and I wrote this in my notes. Let me go to my notes and read this. We often compare our rough draft version of life with others' highlight reel, and we live frustrated. You know, I know you want to write that down. That's that's tweetable right there. I I get frustrated because I'm seeing your Jessica's up here nailing it, and I'm like, man, I wish I could do a transition that good, Uh, you know, because I know all my mistakes and all my hang-ups and all that, and so frustration affects our view of ourselves. Not only that, though, watch this. Frustration affects our view of others, especially those we're closest to in life. Frustration affects our view of others, and you know, here's really the deal here. We only see what we see in others. So we only see what we see from the angle we see it, and we don't see all the other angles. And here's just a little in parentheses note. We don't see what God sees, all right? Where they come from, their story, the shoes they walked in, the heartaches, the hurts, the pains. And so often we're frustrated with others because they don't live up to our unrealistic expectations. Look at your spouse right now and just smile. You know, I... Because we have this expectation. Why don't you treat me like this? Or why don't you do me like this? And she's like, you go back and look what I've been through. The hurts, the heartache, the traumas in my life, the sins that have been committed against me, the sins I've committed, and all of that story. Okay, I've been through the, the process of forgiveness and healing, but I'm still got scars. And so we act... Actually, we think people ought to be more than they are, and we get frustrated with others. Again, especially those that we're closest to in life and that our family. We get frustrated with our kids. We spend so much energy trying to fix our kids because we're frustrated with them. Because they get on our last nerve. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. I got things to do. Gotta check my Facebook status. <laughs> Leave me alone right now. <laughs> Being frustrated with others is nearly always selfish and egocentric. Our frustration with each other is always because we love ourselves too much. And they're getting in our space or they're getting in our, our way. Frustration. Frustration. And not only does frustration affect our view of ourselves and our view of others, but here's the kicker. It also affects our view of God. Frustration in life affects our view of God. You know, how many times have you prayed a prayer 
and then you've waited and, well, it just didn't come to pass like you hoped it would. You, you, you just feel like God didn't answer your prayer. Maybe, maybe you got impatient. Maybe, maybe you expected to be different today than you are because you gave your life to Christ. Some of you gave your life to Christ maybe a year ago. Let's just say you. And you're not what you thought you would be. Maybe, maybe it's not even you, it's your life. It's not what you thought it would be a year in after giving your life to Christ. And maybe you've heard this, the, the sermons or you've read in the Bible even, or you've read stories of people who God just miraculously turned their life around. They went from down and out in the dumps to the mountaintop experience. They're praising Jesus. You look across the room, you know some of them, and they're over there praising God like, woohoo, Jesus. Thank you for that lottery win right there. You know, whatever. Maybe not money, but it's life, right? It's, woo, but, and you're not. And so you're frustrated with God. And it affects your view of God. And so you don't interact with God the way that he intended. You're not just chilling with God, right? You're, you're frustrated with God. Frustration affects our view of ourselves. It affects our view and our interaction with others. And it affects our view of God. Some of you can't lift your hands and worship God as being the maker of the universe, the creator of all things, the master of our, our lives, Jesus King. We can't do that because we're waiting on something that maybe he's not even going to come through on. And we're stinking frustrated. We're frustrated. I think, I think, and I wrote it in my notes here, having patience with God, watch this. Having patience with God involves faith. And to exercise faith, we must surrender control to him, which we don't like, which leaves us frustrated. Frustrated with God. Let me take you to the Bible, okay? Hadn't done that yet. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 15, there's a story of a man named Abraham. Some of you have been in the, the Bible, you know Abraham. Some of you may not know Abraham. Abraham was just a regular guy, guy like you and I. He was just a guy. He was living over here in this place, and God came to him and said, Abraham, I want to I basically use you to bring about the blessing of redemption, and, uh, which is Jesus, now we know today. And so he took Abraham and his family and he moved him to a new land and he, 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 he really did bless him. He took care of him and he, he increased his wealth. He increased his influence. And so Abraham is now, he's this guy and he's, uh, he's trusting God, living for God, doing what we do, okay? And God gave him uh, a message. He's, he gave him a promise and he said, you're gonna have a son. Now Abraham, here's Abraham. He's 75 years old. He was 75 years old. And he did not have a son or a daughter. No kids, right? Him and his wife. One wife, one life. Come on, somebody say amen. One wife. And he didn't have a son. He didn't have a daughter. And so he, he was living life, I'm sure, in some measure of frustration. And God said, I'm going to give you a son. So he was 75 years old. And the scripture here in Hebrews 6.15 says, then Abraham, now this is referring back to the book of Genesis. Now it's talking, the writer's talking about something that's already happened, but it said, then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. And say, so God promised him a son at the age of 75 years old and he waited patiently. Now what the scripture doesn't tell you, but if you read the book of Genesis, you'll see, is that he waited patiently from the age of 75 years old to the age of 100 years old. Come on, math majors, how, mu how many years is that? 25 stinking years of potential frustration. Some of you have been waiting 25 days for God to answer that prayer. You're like, uh, what's up, God? You know what I'm saying? You know, like 25 years he waited from the age 75 to the age of 100. Now, if you read the story, you actually see some peaking frustrations. 
His wife said, look, we can't have a kid. I don't know how many years in this was, but we can't have a kid, so why don't you take my handmaid uh, you know, and, and have sex with her and have a baby with her, and we'll call it our son. Maybe it'd be like our, our surrogate there. And, and, and maybe that was God's plan all along. We'll, we'll, we'll please God right there. you know. And he did. He did that. You know, I have to believe there was a measure of frustration that tried to swell up. Maybe it did rise up, and he, he did, and he had a son. His name was Ishmael, and we still use the term today. Yeah, I know, messed up there. That was my Ishmael. You know, we do that because of what Abraham did in frustration. But watch this. This is, this is what really catches my eye here. It says, then Abraham waited patiently. And mind you, 25 years, and he received what God had promised. And so I wrote this in my notes. I thought this was super cool. Patience is not necessarily having the ability to wait, but it is the attitude we take while we wait. Let me say that again. Some of you are going, ooh, what did he say? <laughs> Patience is not necessarily having the ability to wait, but it is the attitude we take while we wait. Come on, somebody pray right now and say, help me, Jesus. You'd almost say frustration is an attitude, and we take that, that route a lot quicker than we take waiting patiently. So waiting patiently is an attitude that we take. The Bible says about Abraham that he believed God. It goes on to say that it was accounted unto him as righteousness. In other words, God said, dude, that is what I'm talking about. That's the Mike Minnis translation. That's what I'm talking about. It was accounted unto him as righteousness. So God said, that, hey, guys, if you want to know what I'm looking for, zzzz, that's it. He believed God. So often we don't believe God and we don't wait patiently for the results of what God's doing in our life and we get super frustrated in life and, 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 and we've already learned it affects how we see ourselves, it affects how we see each other and it affects how we see God. Abraham, it says, waited patiently, he believed God, he had faith in God, he trusted God and he received it ultimately, even though 25 years later, he received what God had promised. So in other words, his frustration level didn't rise up and detour him too far in life. And that's exactly what has happened in my life. And I guarantee you, it's some, to some degree, it's happened in your life. You've allowed frustration to be your attitude that you hold on to instead of patience. The Bible says Abraham believed God. You know, I believe this. This is my opinion, that impatience is actually a form of unbelief. You know, Pastor Jordan preached about fear, and, and, and you exposed us to the idea that fear is actually sin. I believe that impatience is the first cousin to fear. And you think about this a little while later, uh, you'll realize that impatience is the first cousin to fear and it's sin as well because we don't believe God. He said, he, Abraham believed God, clung to what God had said, the promise of God. And watch this. Let me just amp it up. Even when he was tested, so eventually at 100 years old, God gave him the promise and his wife got pregnant and she had a little boy and they named him Isaac. And here's Abraham, you know, I'm just sure he's strutting around with his chest out, thankful that he believed God. And somewhere along the way, God said, hey, Abraham, my bro, my bro, take your son that I promised you and gave you, take him up on the mountain of Moriah and sacrifice him to the Lord. And Abraham knew exactly what that meant. He had killed a lot of sheep, spilt a lot of sheep's blood and burned them up on the altar and, you know, for the Lord. And he knew exactly what it meant. And, and whether he had frustration or not, the Bible didn't indicate. It just says he took his son and he went on the mountain and, and he went through the motions, the whole thing. He built the altar, put the wood on it, 
He bound his son and laid him on it. He took the knife, ready to slay him, which was the process of sacrifice, slay him and then to burn him to God. He took the knife and the angel of the Lord stopped his hand. How many of you know, I think that, was, that would qualify as believing God. So instead of frustration, he waited patiently. And in that, he even, he even said that I knew that even if I slay him, God's gonna resurrect him because God's faithful. Dude, that just, that's, that's a home run right there, guys. That's a different way of living life. Abraham believed God even when he was tested. When you read the Bible and you, and you study the Bible and you kind of put it together contextually and you realize that, that patience in our life is produced when our faith is tested. How many of you have faith? Come on, just wave at me if you got some faith. If you're a believer, you got a little faith, right? A little faith. We got faith, right? You guys, I didn't make it around here. Do you guys got some faith? We got some faith. Got some faith. Now, if I was God, and I'm not, but if I was God, just for a split second, I'd probably mess everything up, but if I was God, I would respond to your hand being raised with, prove it. Prove it. I really believe this. Faith is not faith until faith is tested. As a matter of fact, this is just a little commercial break right here, but I believe that God gave us the tithe to test our faith. Now, my message is not about the tithe, but it is the greatest test of our faith. You believe God? Okay, let's see. How could we, remember I'm pretending to be God. How could we really test that? What do you think, Holy Spirit? Jesus, what do you think? Let's take some of their money. That'll, that'll really test their faith. <laughs> well, you'll take it all? No, no, that joke thing, that was just for one time. Uh, let Let's go, let's go with 10%. 10% will hurt, ooh, but not too much, right? All right, let's do that. All right, write it, write it down. Mo Moses, you're writing that part of the Bible, write it down. You got faith? Oh, do you tithe? No, you don't. You don't have any faith. Not really, because when your faith is tested, you fail. Abraham trusted God, he believed God, he waited patiently, these are all synonymous, he waited patiently, he endured, he, he persevered, he waited on God and God granted him what he waited for, it came through and his faith was tested and he proved he had faith and God said of that faith, now that is what I'm talking about. He accounted unto him his faith as righteousness. That's what I'm talking about, testing has a way of producing, testing of our faith has a way of producing patience in our lives. I love the book of James, book of James chapter one, verse two says, my brethren, count it all, somebody say joy. Oh, that's, the, that's such a good word until it gets in the scripture. Oh, then we just hate it. Count it all, joy, say it again, joy. Joy, 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 say it, say it, joy, joy, joy. Gotta hang on to that word now, hang on to that joy. Here it is, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Oh, such a trick verse. Knowing that the, watch this, watch this. The testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Produces patience. And then I'm gonna read the verse four because it's really cool. But let patience have its perfect work. That's kind of like that he waited patiently moment. He was letting it have its perfect work, although he didn't know he was doing that. He was just trusting God. Let the patience have its perfect work that you may be, watch this, perfect and complete, lacking nothing, or whole. How many of you, with, with, as parents, you want your children to grow up and be whole? Yes. 
versus fragmented versus damaged. How many of you want your children to be whole? And God, being a much better father than we are, wants us to be whole. And he knows the process of getting us whole is to allow us to go through struggle and trial and, and, and hardship so that it produces patience in us. Because when the patience is produced in us, we are whole and complete. He would be a bad daddy if he didn't let us go through these things. Patience is produced when our faith is tested. When our faith is tested. Now here's a super cool principle from the word of God. This is a super cool scripture. This is like the secret weapon, I, I believe, to this whole sermon. Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter five, if you've read it before, a few verses in there talks about the fruit of the spirit. There's nine listed fruits of the spirit. I believe there's a lot more fruit, but those are the nine he told us about. And of those, we got love. Come on, somebody say love. Joy. Say joy. Come on. Peace. Come on, say peace. How easy is it to pray for God? Give me some more love. Give me some joy. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? We pray, we pray, we love those fruit, man. We love, ooh, give me another one. Peace that passes all understanding. But how many of you ever pray for the next one? Patience. As a matter of fact, you say it all the time. Don't pray for patience. Because you know what will happen. <laughs> Here's the super cool thing. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to pray for it anymore. You're going to get it anyway. <laughs> Because the Holy Spirit is going to produce it in you, just like the love, joy, peace, and all the others. You don't have to do nothing. Just love on Jesus and love on the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, he's going to produce patience. James said, count it all joy when trials come your way, because he's producing patience. And Man, you feel backed in a corner right now? Because I do. Is this for real, God? Are you serious, God? Man, all along, I was doing so good not to pray for patience. Patience is a fruit or a byproduct of spending time with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to pray for it. Here's the crazy thing. We often accuse the devil of messing with us. You ever talk to somebody? Maybe you're the guy I was talking to that said, man, the devil, he's beating me up. Man, that devil, he, he's messing me up every day. He's in my family. Pastor might pray for me because the devil, man, the devil. We're just blaming the devil or, 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 or what's really, we blame others. Man, I'd have a good marriage if it wasn't for my wife. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I'm serious. Something. She got the devil in her. You know, that's what it is. <laughs> Want to blame? Oh, we sometimes, occasionally blame ourselves. Yeah, man, I just, I mean, I'm always falling short. I'm always falling short. We want to blame the devil. We want to blame others. We want to blame ourselves. When in fact, could it be that it's just the Holy Spirit letting a bunch of stuff come your way? to test your faith, to produce a patience in you, which is going to make you whole and complete, lacking nothing. Could it be God is that wise? Mm. Nobody wants to agree. I wrote in my notes, as we walk daily with the Holy Spirit, he uses life's circumstances to produce patience in us. Psalms 27, 14 says, wait patiently for the Lord. Wait patiently for the Lord. And watch this next sentence in this inside here. 
just trapped inside of Psalm 24, 14. Be brave and courageous. Put that one in your pocket for later. Be brave and courageous. It's actually synonymous with waiting patiently. You won't wait patiently unless you're brave and courageous. So we want to be brave and courageous, waiting patiently on the Lord because he's producing patience in us. We're waiting patiently for God to produce patience in us because patience is what makes us whole and complete. So we're waiting patiently on the Lord. Yes, wait patiently, it says, for the Lord. That waiting patiently, what does that even look like? Man, we can say it, but then do we even know what it looks like? And I, I think this is just what I think. This is the way I read it, what I interpret. Waiting patiently has like two sides of the coin. Waiting patiently literally for some people means stop. Just stop. You never stop. We never stop. We're always going. The wheels are turning. The mind is racing. Life is blazing by. We're going so fast. And, and, and we say, praise the Lord. I love the Lord. But, but you don't even know God because he's still standing back over there on the corner waiting for you to come back. You're like, wait a minute. Stop. Wait. Slow down. Wait, wait, wait. Patiently on the Lord. Hear his voice. Listen to him. Wait. Wait. Stop. Take a deep breath. Is it even possible? To stop. I believe that waiting on the Lord many times is literally that, just waiting. Just wait. Now, I, I don't want that to swing too far and all of a sudden we just stop and do nothing in life. No, no, you need to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> what did somebody say? The, the, the answer to the prayer, Lord, would you help me with a job, is often found in filling out an application or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, be, be, go ahead and get a job. But wait, because we don't wait. So that's one side of the coin. And I believe the other side of the coin is slow down. Okay, so stop and slow down are two parts of waiting. Slow down and walk with God instead of out in front of God or running off and leaving God in so many ways. How many times have you said, I believe it's the Lord? <laughs> I wouldn't do it if you just believe it's the Lord. <laughs> How about I know this is God? How about I slowed down and walked with God? As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, the, 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 all those trials that, that we're so scared right now that are coming, you know, you're like, man, why did you have to preach about trials? All those trials that we're so scared that are going to come are not that big a deal when you're walking with God. It's when you're out there on your own that they become a big deal. It's out there when you're on your own trying to overcome them on your own, trying to prove something on your own, trying to get through them on your own, just want to get through. Oh, that's when we get in trouble. When we slow down and walk with God and we just arm in arm with God and we're walking, he says, he says this, he says, says, listen, I'm going to set a table, I'm going to set a table for you in the very presence of your enemies. Amen. I'm going to take you out there in the valley, in the wilderness, in the dark, dark forest. I'm going to take you out there where no man has gone before. I'm going to take you out there and I'm going to set up a banquet table for you and set you at the banquet table. And I'm going to give you this banquet feast right there in front of all of your enemies. And how many of you know your enemies are his enemies, right? So you're on the same team. I'm, and, and, and you're going to sit there and eat and not worry at all. Now that's slowing down walking with God. There's no fear, there's no worry, there's no, no fear, no worry, there's, there's no second guessing, there's no, there's no frustration in that because you're sitting there growing physically and spiritually and emotionally, you're eating, right? The banquet of the Lord in the presence of your enemies that without him there you would be so f afraid. Oh, what are they going to do to me? And God says, I'm going to be right there with you. My rod, my staff, they're going to comfort you, they're going to protect you. I'm going to give you everything you need, so slow down, wait patiently, walk with God, stop, and let the Lord help you, help you grow to maturity, help you become 
whole and mature. I'll give you three takeaways that I think if you'll write these down will help you. Hopefully, just this whole idea today will help you a little bit. But three little things. You know, we talked about frustrations at the beginning. But there's three, three things that if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to produce patience in your life, if you'll embrace this idea, all of a sudden it changes everything. And number one, patience gives you a fresh perspective of self. Patience will give you a fresh perspective of who you are. Psalm 135 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. When we are patient, when we slow down, when we stop, and we walk with God in this life, all of a sudden, and, and we're reading in the Word of God, we're reading the Bible, and the, that Bible that maybe doesn't make a lot of sense to you right now, or maybe that Bible that has become old habit, you know, I've read it 10 times, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you scroll through the general genealogy, uh, genealogical charts, the genealogy, you scroll right through, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. He begot, he begot, he begot. So that Bible, though, all of a sudden, you start seeing what God says about you. When you slow down and wait on God, he begins exposing you to what he thinks about you. When you wait patiently with God, he begins to show you the value that you actually do have, though you might sit here today and deny. He shows you that value and he begins to, to show you and expose you to the way he sees you and it changes the way you see you and you no longer live in constant frustration at yourself. Now you live to value, learn to live and value yourself the way God does. Listen to what the Bible says about you, it says a lot of things. This is just a few. It says you are a child of God, a friend of Jesus. The Bible says you're justified, redeemed, and no longer a slave to sin. The Bible says you're set free. The Bible says you're a joint heir with Christ. You're accepted. The Bible says you're full of his power. The Bible says you're a new creation, the righteousness of God, chosen, holy, blameless, more than a conqueror and a citizen of heaven. That's just a few of the many, many things the Bible says about you. And if you stop, if you slow down, if you allow the Holy Spirit to come alongside you, you wait on God, all of a sudden he begins to show you how he sees you, which is truth, by the way. Somebody say, yep. And he begins to show you who you are and you are exposed to that. So now you begin to see yourself the way God sees you and it begins to change who you are. It begins to change your whole life. You won't be so frustrated. How did Abraham wait 25 years? I believe God exposed him. It's my opinion. I believe God exposed him to who he, who he is. God showed up. By, by the way, if God shows up at your house later today and he sits down on your couch, you might see God differently from then on. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I know what color his beard is type thing, you know? Black with a little gray, you know? God showed up with Abraham because Abraham waited on the Lord patiently. And it changed the way he saw himself and it helped him to live 25 years without falling to frustration. Watch this. I wrote this in my notes for you. As the Holy Spirit produces patience in your life, he will make you a valuable instrument in God's hand to do the works he has prepared for you since the foundation of the world. A valuable instrument. Number two, patience gives you a fresh perspective on others. A fresh perspective on others. 1 Corinthians 13 is known in the, in the church world as the love chapter. Come on, how many of you knew that already? You knew that was the love chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is all about love. Just one little snippet out of there says in verse 4, love is patient. Uh, there it is. Love equals patience. Love is patient and kind. 
I read it in the Message Bible to just to see a different twist on it. And it says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. More than others than for self. And already, God has helped us to see the value in self. So we're, we're pretty priceless. And yet he says to love and care for others more than self. That's amping it up a little bit. When you begin to see and experience patience waiting for God and the love that comes from that, all of a sudden you begin to see others differently. Being patient, mm, if you don't write anything else down today, this is going to help you tomorrow right here. Being patient with others enables you to love them instead of trying to change them. Hmm. I want to just stop right there. That's a lot of work. Being patient with others enables you to love them instead of trying to fix them. Man, you just, some of you, man, you've been trying to fix your kids, you've been trying to fix your spouse, you've been trying to fix your coworkers or the people that work for you, you've been trying to fix your classmates so you go to school, you've been trying to fix them, maybe not verbally, but mentally you've been fixing them, man. Man, they need some help, right? You need to be fixed, man. I can't believe they just did that. I can't believe he said that. We always want to fix people. We always know better. But when you begin to be patient and allow patience to be worked in you, it gives you a fresh perspective on others and no longer do we try to fix them. Now we can truly love them. How many ladies in here, Valentine's Day, how many of you like your husband just to love you and quit trying to fix you? Come on, wave real big. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, he's right there. Stop trying to fix me. You know, I got a minute and 38 seconds, but I'm going to interject a commercial break. I love my wife. And I know she has flaws. But I've chosen to focus on loving my wife. And so I rarely bring up in my head the flaws. I just want to love her. I don't want to fix her. God loves you. But he did not give you the gift of fixing. He reserved that one for himself. If God ain't fixed her yet, man, why do you think you're going to fix her? It could be the very same flaws that you criticized that kept her from getting a better man than you. Push play right there. We're going on from the commercial, right? Patience will give you a fresh perspective of God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith, faith, here it is again, faith is the confidence, somebody say confidence, that what we hope for will actually happen. Abraham had faith. Verse 6, it says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. So God's looking for faith. That's what he saw in Abraham. That's what he's looking for in us. Anyone who wants to come to him, to God, must believe that God exists and that he'll reward those who sincerely seek him. That's what Abraham did. He said, I'm just willing to believe, God. You are who you said you are and that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. And he believed that for 25 years and it came to pass. He patiently waited and we want to patiently wait. So we got to believe God is who he said he is. And that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And trust him. Man, you might be here today. You're just like ready to give up, throw in the towel, frustrated, frustrated. Man, I'm frustrated. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes into the place and he breathes a fresh breath of air in your life. And he says, man, just stop, slow down, trust me. Everything's going to be all right. I got this. Daddy's got this. Believe. That God is who he said he is. And that he'll do what he said he's going to do in your life and in your family and in, in your finances and in your health. 
Believe that God is. Faith allows us to patiently wait for, look and hope for, expectantly endure, passionately persevere, continuously remain and abide in his hope. Let's pray. Get along with God, right? Right there where you are. Just get along with God real quick. Father, help us today to see this. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. God, that we won't, that we won't just lose this. That God, we won't go back to the world of frustration, but God, that we would begin to stop, to slow down, to patiently wait on you to work patience in us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to do something really brave right now, very courageous. Just for the next 10 seconds, I want you to just take a moment and pray for some patience. I know some of you goes against the grain, but just now that you've seen the truth, now you've seen the word, just pray. Ask God, say, God, would you produce some patience in me? I trust you that much. I may not be tithing yet, but I'm going on a limb here and I'm saying, I trust you that much. That I'm asking you to work some patience in me and make me whole and complete, make me like Jesus that I might be called a man of God like Abraham was, that my faith would be accounted unto me as righteousness. Father, help us today. Work that faith in us. Help us to see ourselves and others and you with clarity instead of through frustration. God, that we might experience you and fall in love with you all over again, even on this Valentine's Day. And appreciate what you're doing in our lives so much more than ever before. God help us. That's our prayer. Come on, nobody's looking around right now. Let me take just a moment. Nobody's looking around right now, but if you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm sitting in this room today and I, I don't know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I'm here today, but I, I, maybe you came here today because you're, you're hungry for God. Maybe you came here today not expecting this, but, but nobody's looking around. Now, if you would like to make a fresh commitment to God today and say, God, I'm in, I'm in on this thing. I wanna give you my life. We call it getting saved and, and, and being born again. And, but if that's you, you're sitting here today, maybe, maybe you've never done that or maybe you did that years and years and years ago when you're 8, 10, or 12 years old, but since then time has passed and you've walked away and you're so far from God today that you're due a fresh commitment to God. Whichever way it is, if you're here today and that's you, I would love to pray for you right where you're sitting. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up or come up front, but pray for you right where you're sitting. And all I wanna ask you to do to acknowledge God is simply this, just slip your hand up right now and put it back down right now, all over the room. Yes, yes, God bless you, 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 God bless you. God bless you, God bless you on this side, yes ma'am in the back. Somebody else, you say, you know what, that's me. I didn't raise my hand, Pastor, but that's me. God bless you here in the front. This is it. God's reaching his hand out and saying, I love you. I love you. Let's, let's do this thing together. Fresh start. Didn't raise your hand, but you say, I want to be in on this, Pastor. I want to be in on this prayer. Anybody else, just slip it up and put it right back down all over the room. Come on, come on, come on. God bless you in the back. God bless you. Yeah, yeah. I see that hand in the back, yes. Come on, if you raise your hand, just I want, you to, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm gonna help you. It's not about fancy words, just your heart crying to God. Say something like this. Say, God in heaven. Come on, help us out, church. Say, God in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today, and I ask you to save me. Come live inside of me. Teach me to know you. Teach me to love you. I give you all of me, Jesus, and I receive all of you. 
Amen. Amen. Come on, everybody, look at me real quick. Come on. Come on. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.